0: Welcome to Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone interested in growing sales. Today's episode of Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by our ebook, Leadership for Organizational Growth. In it, you'll explore various leadership styles and theories of leadership, as well as best practices for developing the specific leadership skills you need to drive revenue growth. Be sure to download a copy today. You can find it in the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 344. This is the show's producer, Rylan Sylvester, and I'm filling in today for our host, Elizabeth Frederick, to do a mini episode with our founder and CEO of Criteria for Success, Charles Bernard. Hello. (laughs) Um, It's been a bit of time since you've been on the show, so I'm wondering if you could maybe introduce yourself to our listeners for people who haven't heard you on the show before.
1: Okay. Thanks, Rylan. My name is Charles Bernard. I'm a friend, husband, father, Sales trainer, management consultant, and business owner.
0: Fantastic. Um, So we decided to do this mini episode because we've been hearing a lot from our clients and network about retaining top talent and hiring top talent. And I thought it'd be good to do an episode with you because I know that this is something that you've spoken a lot about and um, have connected with people on. As the leader of the company, obviously, you're doing some hiring yourself. So what exactly is going on with people that you're hearing from and people who are struggling with these issues?
1: Yes, yeah, so it's definitely, Ryland, something that's top on mi- top of mind in 2022, uh, post-pandemic people, a lot of people just dropped out of the work- workforce, some haven't come back at all, some have set up their new businesses, and many who left their companies for whatever reason have not rejoined. And interesting statistic that I heard recently was that one study found that Google searches for the phrase how to start a small business jumped 124% uh, early in the pandemic. So the only other time I remember anything like this was kind of when the gig economy started, when we had the economic crash around 2008 or so. Mm -hmm. So indeed, you know, hiring, uh, retaining More hiring, I think, is the issue, and finding good people is really a problem that I'm hearing right now.
0: Right, and also people are leaving too, right? There's the great resignation.
1: Yes, people are leaving, and it is, I think, true that there's this great resignation, but I think there's a lot that people can do to address the problem, because it is a problem if you're uh, busy and you need Um, resources human resources and they're not available Uh but so obviously someone decides to leave it's very hard to stop that from happening if they've made their mind up but I think we can certainly address some issues about making sure you've got the right people and you know in the past you used to hire for talent You used to kind of make sure people fit the requirements you had but I think people are beginning to realize that actually now employers have to think about fitting the requirements that the candidates have. And so that's something that I think has changed some of the interviewing and hiring dynamics.
0: Right. So if you're going to hire someone, what are some steps you can take to make sure that it's, it's a good process um, for hiring and for looking for people?
1: Yeah. So you know me a little bit and I, like to describe my character this way more and more and that is i'm a an optimist and i say more and more because i wasn't always an optimist but i think as i've gotten older and i've gone through some crises some of our own making some that weren't our own making like i said the, the pandemic and the cri- the economy and stuff like that obviously that's very hard or if not impossible to control but a lot of lessons along the way. So hiring is something I'm really passionate about. And as you mentioned earlier, we've been in a hiring cycle practically since we started the business. So I can tell you some of the lessons we've learned and some of the best practices we've honed. Um, fundamentally, before you get into the mechanics, I think you've got to have a good philosophy about hiring. And the first thing is to really set good expectations because I hear, and you may have heard this too, and I'm sure some of our listeners have, that, you know, three months in, six months in, a year in, however a long, a, a relatively new hire is starting to scratch their head going, you know, this isn't really meeting my expectations, or things that were discussed in the interview and promised aren't coming to fruition. So I mm-hmm. think number one, really set clear expectations that. Both parties understand, meaning the candidate and the hiring manager, as well as making sure that those expectations can be met. So that I think is the number one.
0: Yeah, and then you kind of spoke a little bit just now about retaining people. So, so if you're if you see somebody like you know as you you put it scratching their heads and saying this isn't exactly what I wanted. So, what are some like red flags or green flags maybe you can look for in a person who? you can say, you can tell they're kind of checked out yeah, or a person that you're worried about um, or not worried about.
1: Well, I think, you know, red flags can come anytime, but I think there is this kind of fragile time, which is the first year and probably even the first 90 days. And mm-hmm. so even before this, the head scratching phase that we just talked about, I think really part of setting those expectations is making sure that Even before your new employee starts, even before you, even the offer is extended, let that person see a clear onboarding process. Like, let me tell you, before you get hired, this is what the first 30 days will look like, the first 60 days will look like, the first 90 days will look like, and it doesn't stop there just in the first quarter, 90 days. You'll get training somewhere between two and a half weeks and five weeks. Is what we recommend at criteria for success for our clients when they're hiring someone especially salespeople, in the first year so in other words you're going to get a good onboarding process you're going to get training throughout the rest of the year on our company on our offering on our value proposition on the industry you're going to be trained to be a subject matter expert so when you're out there selling because we deal with salespeople predominantly you're going to have all the tools. And then part of that onboarding and part of the attraction, and and again, back to setting expectations, is letting the, the new hire, before they become a new hire, know what some of the tools are. In other words, we'll help you with leads. We have a sales playbook. You won't be thrown to the lions to fend for yourself. So all of that, actually, the reason I say that's important to say, before the person actually accepts the offer is oftentimes that those expectations that criteria that you're spelling out will be the difference between them joining you and maybe them looking at a competitive offer and mm. time and time again i've seen i've seen people literally take a job with company a that's paying 10% less than company b but the reason they picked company a is because they could smell taste hear, picture, visualize success with all the tools and the support. So that I think heads off some of the head scratching. So back to your question about flags. Um mm-hmm. by the way, does that make sense or did you have any other questions around the No, I think
0: that I think that totally makes sense. Like I think when someone's when you want to give somebody like an a picture of what they're going to be getting into. Like you don't want these big promises from a company. That's what's hard about like startup culture, I feel like it's like come on in and we'll just sort of figure it out as we go. And it's like, well, you know, some people nowadays, especially after the pandemic, it's like, you want stability and, you know, you don't want a mystery about what you're going to be getting into. Um, So, yeah, I see what you're saying, like offer them structure and also and then and also stick to it because you don't want to, you know, offer it to somebody and then they show up and they're like, well, this is different than what you said at the beginning.
1: And just to jump on what you just said, because I see this a lot and that is that especially like you said, in a startup where they've been funded, they got cash, they're throwing cash around, and they're saying, don't worry, we'll figure it out. We're going to give you you know, twice as much as what you earned in the last place or a 50% increase in your last job or or a ton of money, whatever it is. I think people are becoming more and more wary of that because to your point, and I'd be curious what you think, if you're going into a company – starting that scratch that head scratching process even before you start like okay so they're throwing all this cash at me but you know if i know if i don't produce i'm going to be out or vice or vice versa if i don't see anything that's going to support me cash alone isn't going to do it so i think i think that's a really big big problem what do you think i mean
0: totally and i i mean of course two, there are going to be people who that's just their personality and they probably are like willing to take on that challenge and that's exciting for them. But I think there are a lot of people who don't feel that way. <laughs> and so now it's kind of like shifting, you know, people are like, that was something maybe that people used to get away with. And now we're kind of like, you know, put, say everything that I'm going to, I'm going to like be involved in and getting, you know, getting to take on up front. you know, I want to know what, what's coming. Um, and that's interesting. And I, and I think you were going to talk a bit more about like green flags for places. So we did red flags of people who seem like, well, I, out. I have a
1: couple more red flags. So, so the red right. flags. So I, I was talking kind of red flags going into the job, but let, let's say you've got an employee, whether they've been there a while or they're a new hire. And I'm only pushing it, the conversation back to red flags. Cause this is something that I think is top of mind for a lot of clients and I think of ours. And I think that's a problem because that I, I personally believe a lot of companies are going about keeping people the wrong way. So first Mm -hmm. philosophy is stop using the word keeping people because that, (laughs) right. That implies you are handcuffing them to their desks or to their chairs or to their homes or whatever. I think you've got to throw out that term. Uh, And the other thing that I think is, is tough with red flags is that more and more people are working remotely. I think that's an obvious statement since the Mm -hmm. pandemic, but what may be less obvious is when people were in the office and you could see them through your glass conference room table or office table or whatever walking around, you could kind of tell from body language, whether someone was not in a good place necessarily. And that might imply they're a flight risk. That's not yeah. as available now. So you're dealing with people uh, who are working remotely. So you gotta you got to kind of look for other red flags. For me, one big red flag, which I think is kind of obvious, but it's worth noting, is when people submit stuff with errors or it's late. So, you know, if the deadline was the end of the month and now you're checking in and they're not submitting it on time, there's going to be a week or two, drag, it's going to be late, or they submit it on time and it's full of errors, typos, uh, misunderstanding, assumptions that aren't clear, all of that stuff. I think it's a red flag. Whether they're a flight risk or not, it doesn't matter almost. It's like that's something that I think is an indicator of someone who's kind of mentally starting to check out. And it may not be that they're going to leave, but it may be something else. And I think it's worth having a conversation about it uh
0: that's a a good point too just to like it might it's sometimes it's also just good to think you know whether they might just not be happy and they don't plan to go anywhere but it's good to always just check in on your team you know how are you doing obviously we all win when some when everybody is doing well so you know you want everybody to be on board
1: of course and i think you know stress could be a reason why the work Mm -hmm. uh the quality of work is going down. So that's that's one kind of obvious one. But then I think some of the other things to look for that may be a little less obvious, but a good leader who knows their people and in, more importantly, invests in getting to know their people would kind of, I think, spot the next couple of flags. Withholding, that's a little tough one, But if someone's had a pattern of contributing, speaking up at meetings, on a Zoom call, and all of a sudden there's a change and they're not speaking up, they're a lot more silent than they were before. Mm -hmm. They may even not even, you know, little things like not put their camera on on a Zoom call. Think now, you know, happens once, no problem. Twice, maybe still no problem. But if it becomes a pattern, you know, three or more times in a short period of time and it's different. Like, it's not like that's their normal behavior. I think that's an indicator that something's wrong, you know, withholding. Uh, They're not participating. Then the other one is boredom or they're just checking out. You could see they got their camera on, they're in a meeting, but they're kind of like not really contributing much, but they're speaking, but it's kind of token speak. And it's not really something that, again, is their normal course of behavior it's a change and then lastly this is really hard but it's but it's the most destructive of all uh, and that is gossip you know if someone one or more people are gossiping about the leader the boss the company another employee that's a sign that um is not healthy because gossip in my book kills culture does that make sense all that stuff
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's interesting to think like, just look out for their behavior shifts in their behavior in a way that makes them seem like you're like not you're not getting what they're normally like. And, um and also, I like this idea, again, of just checking in either way, you know, you never know what's going on. And, and so you want to look out for them. So those are red flags. Yeah. Are there green flags that we can talk about too, because maybe some people are the <laughs> great resignation and they're all worried. And it's like, it's like, actually your team's pretty happy. Don't, don't worry about it. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, the easy answer for you, Rylan, is green flags are the complete opposite of everything I just said is a red <laughs> flag, right? So work is being submitted on time. It doesn't have errors. People are not withholding. They're contributing. They don't exhibit boredom and they're not gossiping. But I think other things that, to me, So, you know, let's define a red flag. I'm sorry, let's define a green flag in the first place. Like, I think a green flag, at least how you and I are referring to it, is someone who you don't have a question is a flight risk or considering leaving or isn't in a good place relative to their job. And obvious things, I think, that I look for are, are they – sharing, are they assuming responsibility and accountability? More than anything, I think the sign of a really happy employee, or at least an employee that's invested in working with me and my company is someone who's contributing and coming up with innovative ideas. They don't have to be right, but the mere fact that they're making the effort. I think if if you allow people to contribute, and you allow people to share ideas that's going to help the team, the company as a whole, that to me is indicative of someone that's a keeper. That person's not going anywhere. Um, If you want to kind of engineer it a little more, not let it just happen organically, then some proactive things to kind of enable more of these green flags would be diversity, you know, hire more diverse people. It could be diversity in race, gender, more women, more females, you know, it could be people from different geographies, different parts of the country, different backgrounds. You know, I think diversity is, is a good sign of people kind of being in an environment where they're almost encouraged to think out of the box and and get to know new people and people enjoy that kind of that the the I guess excitement of getting to know someone that's different than you in in many regards and then lastly something that's kind of I hear a lot but I don't see much evidence for is gamification like you know make people make things fun but introduce a little bit of competition like healthy competition like you know uh quizzes um challenges just give people some goals you know set bars that people feel good about accomplishing things like that i think are Mm. are you know that's an environment that's going to encourage people to participate more which obviously if they do that they're showing good signs that they're they're invested
0: Totally. You want to keep things interesting. Yeah. Um, I also like this idea of like getting people's ideas of the company because it's also just a good sort of like temp check of what are they viewing the company in the direction that we're going in and what are they thinking about our clients and whatnot? Like you can, without kind of, you know, directly asking them that you're, you can get your own sort of view based on what they're sharing. And
1: I think encouraging ownership, you know, I, I look a lot about into leadership and I know that the book you mentioned, earlier on in your introduction uh, about leadership uh, for organizational growth. I think a big good practice that's mentioned in that book is give people the ability to own. So in other words, uh, delegate responsibility instead of tasks. Like a lot of managers will say, I want you to do this thing. I want you to do this other thing. And it's almost like you're creating this culture of People won't think for themselves because they're waiting for you to give them the next instruction, as opposed to saying, here's what I need done. Here's some ideas. But for the most part, I'd like you to figure out how to go about it. Be inventive. Be creative. If you need my support, I'm here. If you want me to get involved, I'm here. But let people feel like they can actually bring something new, and they may surprise you they may actually bring something that you hadn't thought about uh, that's better than anything you might've thought about. Mm
0: -hmm. Maybe the last topic, because this is just making me think about it, but I've heard you speak a lot before about the concept of managing up. Yes. And it seems like something that would fit good right now in this conversation. Do you want to tell us a little more about the concept of managing up? (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) that's great. It's a logical progression to what we're saying. So I think managing up, is a simple concept to think about, but maybe harder to execute because the leader has to be willing to let themselves be led. So managing up in its simplest form is giving people that report to you the responsibility of pulling you in and you're now a resource. So let me give you a specific. Uh, Again, back to the sales world. We often see a VP of sales will do a group meeting with the sales team. Let's say every Monday morning, the sales team gets together. So why does the sales VP have to run that meeting? Why not ask for volunteers or maybe take it in turn in a round robin format where each salesperson Uh, becomes the facilitator for that meeting for that week. And now the VPSLs can sit back. They don't have to worry about sticking to a particular agenda. They don't have to worry about what they're going to say next. And more importantly, they're really listening from a different place because they're not under pressure to lead the meeting. So that's one where you could have someone else manage up, meaning they assume... The management responsibility for the meeting but it also happens in a one-on-one you know you'll have your vp of sales has a group meeting every monday like i said and now i want to meet with my each individual salesperson one-on-one and you may laugh but i see this all the time i see the vp sets the schedule the vp sets the agenda The VP is asking questions. Tell me about this deal. Tell me about that deal. Tell me about your pipeline. Tell me about your prospecting. All the things that you expect as a head of sales to want to know about. But who's doing the asking and who's doing the talking? And the problem with that is you're training your salesperson to give up accountability. So rather than that, the advice I would give is, ask the salesperson to schedule the meeting have the salesperson bring an agenda Uh, what is it this week they want to talk about what's important to them and have them report to you maybe you can have a standard set of things you want to talk about metrics or whatever but it's not you driving that conversation it's the person that's the most invested because they're the ones who have to produce the results that are managing up to in this case you to make sure that you're present, you're at the meeting, and think about it it it's harder for a VP of sales to chase ten salespeople than it is for one salesperson to get a meeting scheduled with one manager
0: mm-hmm. absolutely it's interesting you I feel like some people. Maybe would be like, oh, but I'm nervous to, you know, chase down. My manager. You know, some people have that relationship with their boss where they're like, I'm sort of stressed having to reach out to them for all these things. I don't want to stress them out and whatnot. But in the long term, they'd appreciate it because you're kind of being proactive. And, um, of course, the manager, too, should be receptive to this, yes. to, to somebody chasing them down. Yeah. Um. So this was really great. This is an interesting little mini episode. I think we should wrap up. One thing Elizabeth always does is she asks... Are there any resources you would like to recommend to our listeners on this topic?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I'm going to give you a couple of less well-known people that are in our circle, kind of, you know, they're, they're small business owners, but nonetheless have very good things to say. So there's someone that coaches me in a group called Collaborex that I'm a member of. Her name's Jerry Quinn. Mm-hmm. She runs a company called Driving Inspired Results. I think that's what it's called. I may have the inspired wrong. Oh, no, I think it's driving improved results. Uh, And she actually is a subject matter expert on this great resignation topic that we talked about. So she came top of mind. Uh, There's another person that I know. I worked with him. He's the CEO of a company called Retensa, R-E-T-E-N-S-A, Jason Hecht. H-E-C-H-T, Chasen, like Jason, but just C-H. Mm-hmm. And Chasen has been at work on um, all things HR, but in a very innovative way. And he has a lot to say about um, exiting the views and how you learn from those, as well as this topic that we've been talking about. And then probably more famous, more well-known is, you'll have to correct me if I've mispronounced her name, Brene Brown. Sometimes I call it Brene, and I think it's Brene. <laughs> yeah, uh, it. Brene Brown, I don't have a particular podcast or topic that I can point the listeners to, but I just think that she has a really good, high energy, great guests on her podcast, and I'm sure someone doing a search on her podcast could search for this topic we're talking about. And then lastly, someone I've enjoyed reading who's pretty well known as Dan Pink. Uh, he wrote a book a while ago called drive, which is kind of what drives people to perform and it's not compensation. In fact, he thinks compensation for salespeople gets in the way, uh, kind of like intrinsic motivation. So I think with those four resources, our listeners would have plenty to chew on.
0: Yeah, those are great. Um, I'll be sure to include them in the show notes and where can listeners learn more about you and your work? Is there a place you should direct them to?
1: Easiest is to find me on LinkedIn. I actually have a, a URL that's personalized. So it's linkedin.com forward slash my entire name without a space, Charles Bernard, and the number one. So linkedin.com forward slash Charles Bernard one.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today, Charles. This was really fun.
1: You're very welcome, Ryland. Thank you for taking the time.
0: And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's show. You can find the notes and resources for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com/pod344. As a reminder, if you subscribe to the show, you'll get every new episode as soon as it's posted, and you can subscribe for free wherever you're listening right now. If you enjoyed today's show, please recommend us to a friend to help more people discover it. Also, we love feedback, so you can leave us ratings and reviews in Apple Podcasts or email us with feedback questions or guest suggestions at podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. Make sure, by the way, to follow us on Twitter at CFS Playbook, and don't forget to check out the blog at criteriaforsuccess.com slash insights. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success. Happy selling!